0: Hey, this is Minta, and you're listening to Mint, the podcast dedicated to making spiritual things practical. What I like to tell people is that we meet at the intersection of real life and faith, For over a year, we have been diving deep and talking practically about how to apply the Bible to real-life situations, and we have seen amazing life change. But here at The Mint Podcast, we are listener-supported, which means we need your help to continue. If you would so prayerfully consider, and if you have benefited from listening to The Mint Podcast, would you head over to www.amintageisler.com slash Reckless Abandoned Ministries and make a donation, we would so appreciate it if you would partner with us to continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the community and help people take one practical step forward in faith at a time. As we start the show today, I just wanted to share with you all one of the really fun reviews that we got on The Mint Podcast recently. We are so honored and blessed to hear that God is using this podcast in people's faith journey, and I just think it's so important to testify to what God is doing. One of our listeners, Debbie, wrote in, and she said, The Mint Podcast has served as a source of encouragement, refreshment, and challenge in my spiritual growth as a Christian. I greatly appreciate how Minta consistently takes a depth-filled topic and provides tangible steps to take around it. I leave the podcast feeling equipped to take a step of growth in my spiritual journey, and I also find her Minnesota accent a delight to listen to. I love that last part. You know, clearly Debbie is not from Minnesota. And you know, I don't share this to toot our horn here at the Mint Podcast or anything, but just to say amen. Man, that is exactly why we do what we do here at the Mint Podcast. We are chasing after Jesus and we want to provide practical ways for our listeners to do the same thing. I I believe that there's nothing of more value in your life than your faith in god nothing more worthy of your investment in your time and your intentionality because faith is what is going to carry you home to the day when you get to be with god forever in paradise and he alone is worthy of all that we have and all that we are and our faith is going to sustain us through these crazy times that we are living in and also in the really difficult challenging situations that we face in our story and that's why we're doing this series about extraordinary faith to inspire you that you are capable of having faith that is extraordinary because we serve a God that's extraordinary, and He will give us all that we need and more when we put our faith in Him. Today's guest is a great example of this. She's a strong woman who has walked through an extremely difficult situation about 10 years ago. Her name is Joy Wensman-Petroski, and I actually know her from way back when I was in high school. She's the mom of one of my classmates, Amanda. And Amanda and I both attended Becker High School go Bulldogs. And we were in so many of the same classes. Our lockers were always right next to each other. And I just respected Amanda so much. She was brilliant. And that is not an exaggeration. And she was kind and hardworking and just a really neat person. And we were usually in a competition of some kind or another to see who could get the best score on a test or something. But it was all done in fun. And I knew her mom, Joy, because, well, it's a small town, Becker. And we all know everyone. And she was always at the schools. And so, Um, I got to know her, and she's just as lovely and kind as her daughter. And I remember hearing Joy's story that we're going to share today and just being so sad for their family at the time. But I also remember hearing about how God provided for them and carried them through and just a few weeks ago, Amanda reached out and suggested her mom would be a great guest for my podcast. And I loved it. And here we are today. So I'm excited and honored to welcome Joy to the airwaves. Thanks for coming on the show, Joy. We so appreciate it. Thank
1: you, Minta, for inviting me. I appreciate it. And when Amanda first told me about this, I was
0: like, what? <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> but here I am, and I'm happy to be here with you. Well, I'm so excited. This is a this is a story worth listening to. So let's pray. And then we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, will you give us in these next minutes eyes to see you and ears to hear you and hearts that are open to chasing after you and taking a step out in faith. In your name we pray. Amen. Okay, Joy. So let's set the stage a little bit here before we start. So take us back a little bit and talk about your family as I knew you back then. So um, when you and Wayne were married and you have three kids, Amanda, Correct. Sarah and Craig, and right. you were living in Becker. Right. Yes. OK, mm-hmm. so set the stage for us when this story's kind of started to unfold.
1: OK, so um, at that time, uh, I guess it was maybe about 2006. All of our kids had graduated. Amanda, Sarah, and Craig had um, gotten through high school, thankfully. Uh, Most through college at that point. I think all of them through college. And and Wayne and I were still fairly young. We were in our mid-40s. I think I was 45. Wayne was 48, almost 49. And we had started our family young, and we always had a hope that when the kids did grow older, we would have the time and, and hopefully more money to maybe do some traveling and do those things together that we didn't do when we were young because we started so young. So um, we, we were enjoying spending time together and we decided one day, it was a spring day uh, in March, I believe. The, the weather had been fantastic for March day and we decided to go for a walk. So we walked or we drove into Becker because I live out in the country and you're taking your life in your own hands yes, you walking are. out here. But we drove into town and tried and decided to walk on the sidewalks a little bit and just enjoy the sun. And as we were going, we went a short distance. I noticed that Wayne uh, had what I would call a foot drop, kind of his foot was slapping the pavement as we were walking. We walked a little ways and I stopped and asked him what's with the foot. And He said, oh, nothing. Um, no big deal. So I believed it. We continued on, and we didn't get a whole lot for, further, but I noticed that he was trying to control his his step, but he couldn't anymore. Mm. The further we went, and it just kept dropping, and mm. I finally just said, okay, really, what's with the foot? And he admitted that he had been having some troubles, he thought weakness. He said, right. oh, I just been weak through the winter, and you don't really notice it when you're walking around your house. Um, I didn't notice anything, and so I suggested that he was due for a physical. Good
0: idea. <laughs> yeah, go. and
1: he was really excited about that, but um, I did get him in. He went into our local doctor in Becker, and the doctor really wasn't overly concerned, couldn't find anything, but sent him on to a neurologist because he did notice uh, his muscles were atrophying a, a slight bit. And so Wayne was able to see a neurologist in St. Cloud in the, in the summer of 2006. And he had an MRI and an EKG, which is a nerve muscle mm-hmm. test, which is very painful. Uh, but following those tests, uh, he was told that he was fine. They found nothing, so we uh. were elated. So excited, I remember walking out of the St. Cloud Hospital, just like, "Thank you Jesus, thank you Jesus." So excited. But as the summer went on, I knew something was wrong. Things didn't get better, they got worse, mm-hmm. and I could see that.
0: So. Yep, you kind of had an intuition about it all along. I, it did. Feels like, yeah. I did I did.
1: I think God was preparing for me for this. Uh, during that summer, I was in uh, Beth. Uh, Beth Moore Bible study digging deep and, and if you've ever done a Beth Moore study yes. she just so deep she plows you over and <laughs> pulls you down and <laughs> yeah and I, I had the summer off uh work at being I worked in a school and I would sit out in my porch and drink my coffee and do this study and I just felt like I was being pummeled mm. by so many things I just inside I I felt something was wrong something was wrong with my husband. And he's a, he was a tough guy. He just went on. There was nothing wrong with him. He was getting old. I tried to say, you're 48. I don't really think (laughs) that's old. (laughs) old." (laughs) But um, Beth's study was just taking me down and, and I struggled Uh, and and I just really dug in, but I felt like uh, fears were rising in me. And I started to do some research on the side, like what could be wrong with my husband. And it kind of did lead to ALS, but I never spoke of that. I didn't know, but I read about ALS. And as I was doing my Bible study, I thought, wow, what if this is? And I felt like I grieved that summer for the things I thought I might lose. Mm-hmm. and it was you know what's going to happen to my husband uh will i be able to live here we live in a multi-leveled home this is not ideal for someone right. with a disability uh i i just it was a deep summer um and but i do believe god prepared me for that and then i had much more pr- preparation I and mean, god is so faithful we Finally, we're sent to another neurologist who sent us on to the Mayo Clinic, which it takes a ton of time. We're talking about a year here of time. And I remember walking into the Mayo Clinic Uh, for our week of studies to see what was happening and I took my daughter Sarah with or we took our daughter Sarah with because Sarah had graduated from um, the Mayo School of Medicine so I'm like oh I need someone who knows their way around I Wayne used to tease me that I would get lost backing out of the end (laughs) of the driveway so
0: (laughs) and Mayo is amazing but it is a maze it is of Tunnels and yes. hallways and buildings. It's and, very yes. overwhelming.
1: Yeah. So we walked in together, the three of us, uh, for our week's stay. Sarah was going to stay just a couple days to help, help us get situated. And I walked in the building, and I was completely and utterly overcome mm. with just, it was just a heaviness. Yeah. And I felt like I, as I entered those doors, I felt like God said, Joy, your life is going to change, and here you will know what it is. And I was just overcome, and I remembered mumbling something like, I'll be right back, and I took off running to the nearest bathroom. Because Wayne and I, we, we had a funny relationship. We were the the tough people where Wayne was tough for me and I was tough for him, so we neither of us were going to be <laughs> yeah. soft or weak for yeah. the other. Vulnerable. We were always yeah. trying mm-hmm. to stay strong for each other, so I took off. And, of course, Sarah, you know, just ran right after me and found me in the restroom just sobbing. And Mm -hmm. she's like, Mom, what's wrong? And I said, our life is going to change. It's going to get very hard. And she said, you don't know that yet. You haven't had anything happen. You don't know. And I said, I do know. I I think God's telling me that. So I do believe that God prepared me for this. And I'm grateful for his preparation. Right. Yes.
0: Absolutely, And so then they were able to diagnose him at that time, the Mayo Clinic.
1: Right. We were supposed to be there for a week, and we were there two days at this point. And Wayne had, again, had to do multiple testing in the EMG, which is, was his absolute just horrible test. Horrible. It's just horrible. Um, but two days into being there, one of the other doctors did tell us that he did have ALS. Um, And it it was devastating. It was what I had feared. Mm -hmm. But Wayne didn't know what ALS was. So when the doctors told us, he had no idea what the doctor was saying. Mm
0: -hmm. So did they educate you then while you were at Mayo? Or Um, did you kind of have to do that on your own?
1: No, they were wonderful. Uh, The doctor asked us if we knew what ALS was, and I said that I did. And Wayne said he didn't. And so in a nutshell they They told us, because we had many more exam exams to follow in the week yet, and more specialists to see, but in a nutshell, they said that you would lose your your motor and um, muscle function, which would eventually lead to speech breathing everything basically our whole bodies all of our bodies everything in our body is a muscle right and um that he would have two to four years if he was the norm. And Wayne looked up and I could see his lip kind of trembling. And I felt bad for him because he didn't know and I did. And, um, he's, and the first words out of his mouth were, God is good, God is good, all the time God is good. And he said that all the time, all the time. And I'm sure he said that to convince himself as well sometimes. But him saying that over the the next years helped me mm-hmm. believe that as well. For sure. Yeah.
0: Did you, did you ever have a time where you really struggled with your faith or were you, do, I mean, I know you've talked about how you felt like God prepared you and Wayne mm-hmm. was like, God is good. Did mm-hmm. you have a time or were you guys mostly able to rely on each other and keep the faith? And uh,
1: We, we really didn't struggle with our faith because God just jumped in right. all the time. <laughs> and when we were going down something happened to to show us his faithfulness. Mm. And when people would ask Wayne why you? I remember Wayne said one day, "Why me? Why not me?" He said, mm. "Look around this world. There's things happening in this world to babies to so many other people, why not me? Who am I? Why would I be so special that I um, should get something hmm. and And I think the reason for Wayne's strength really um, of course was God gave him the strength, but Wayne had he had been kind of a rough guy, he was short- tempered, I was kind of a wild man. <laughs> And wasn't always the easiest to live with. But when God got a hold of him mm. a few, few years prior to that, he really struggled with how to be God's man. Mm. He, with his friends. I mean, he loved his friends. Oh, his work friends were wonderful. He had all of these great friends. But there was the wild side. And, there, and then there was Wayne's side. And he always said, I don't know how to bring God to them. And he felt kind of bad about that, and so he said, "This is my way, this is my way." Wow, because now he had he had a stagey and not a stage I hate to say that, but
0: right oh, but. he had a way to share because
1: mm-hmm. people wondered how he could believe when he had this right and so he felt it he felt he owed it to God, I think he really did he took it very seriously,
0: right yeah mm. Mm-hmm. Neat. Mm -hmm. I have some memories of him. Do you? Not a lot, but I—they're all he's smiling in all of them. Yeah, he was just wild. I always remember him smiling or being kind of silly. Yes, he defied any rule there ever was.
1: Yes, (laughs) yes, he rules were not made for him. No, no,
0: my husband Ben's like that. He's always like, "Well, I'll follow good rules, but I don't follow stupid rules." So he defies rules all the time too. That's right. Right. I mean, Wayne
1: felt he could drive on either side of the highway, oh. no matter which direction, because he paid taxes on both sides of the road. I mean, it was just stuff like that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun. Uh, yeah. Now, did he progress pretty quickly? I don't know if I've asked you that yet. You know, he had it, it from
1: his diagnosis to his death. He had it four years. Okay. The first two years seemed like no. I mean, every day or every few weeks, you, you seem to lose a part of your function. Went from being unsteady on his feet to having a difficult time feeding himself, brushing his teeth, things like that, because he lost so much of his muscle in his—mostly it was right. It was one side, which was luckily for him, so he could use the other side, but uh, he lost a lot of muscle tone and he atrophied. So it was loss of those kinds of things— and then the third year was significantly more, but the last year was really really very difficult in every way.
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry. Yeah. No. Um what what were some of the ways that you saw God working in that time, you know, over the course of that 4 years cuz you've, you know, you've shared with me, mm-hmm. oh, you've already shared some, but you mm-hmm. you felt he prepared you. Yeah, yeah. And if you guys, you said it like, if you got to a low point, mm-hmm. you felt like God kind of yeah. sent someone or... Right. Absolutely. Uh,
1: our finances, uh, Wayne was, mm. Wayne was the bread winner. And when you don't have a job anymore, when you're 49 and I have a job, but it's not significant. Um, he... That was huge. Uh, a lot of the medical equipment that we had to buy, we were able to get sometimes on loan, so that was good. Um, God providing humor, and we've talked about that. How sometimes when you're just in the pit, you're you're in such a pit, and you don't know how you're going to get out, and you're so tired of crying. Wayne would often say, okay, okay, let's stop right now. Let, and he would say something funny, and we would laugh. I would say, oh, my gosh, this what we're laughing about right now is actually quite morbid. <laughs> but Wayne would say, if we, don't, if we don't laugh, we're going to cry, and we have to turn this around. And he'd he'd say, it's okay if we visit here, but we can't camp here. We cannot camp here. And so... Humor was a wonderful blessing that God would provide for us as
0: well. You told me too, he would always joke when you guys went places like, well, there's somebody you could marry
1: yes. after I'm gone, oh, or he was he, always scouting he guys would, for you. He, <laughs> he was, he was horrible. We would go to a doctor's office, for instance, and get locked in the room and the doctor would say, oh, I'll come right back with this brace, whatever, I have to go fix it up. And Wayne would say... I didn't see a ring on his hand (laughs) you could marry him and I would say we're not talking about this but he really wanted to let me know in so many ways that he didn't want me to be alone and I told him I don't know that I want to do this again (laughs) and and one time it was close to his death he said Joy I hope you don't feel like this forever and I said, what happens if I marry again and I lose again? And he said, that would be really sad if you choose not to love because you might lose because we'll all lose someday. Mm-hmm. And so that that was a, a gift to me mm-hmm. to know that he felt that way.
0: For sure. What do you, what was, if you don't mind if, if I ask this, and you can say it's not a valid question or you don't want to answer, mm-hmm. but what was the hardest part for you as the caretaker? Because I... I have a special place in my heart for caretakers, Mm -hmm. and we did a caretaker episode, and Mm -hmm. I think, you know, often the focus goes on the person with the disease, and then the spouse or the caretaker, Mm -hmm. so much goes on them.
1: Well, there are a lot of hard parts, but the hardest part for me was um, I wanted to honor Wayne and maintain his dignity, and Wayne was a very private man in that way and I, I probably would have been the same. Um, bathrooming I, you don't want everybody to know yeah you know what happens in the bathroom that somebody else has to take care of all of your bathroom needs. Uh, some of it's embarrassing and it's humiliating and yeah and um, so that was a part of it but the the hardest part for me was wanting to help. But I couldn't always provide. It's hard to provide for a body that every day is falling apart. And the most difficult part was the breathing. Toward the end, the last six months, maybe even a year, but even toward the end, Wayne's breathing capacity, his vital lung capacity was 5%. And your lungs are one of your biggest muscles, which you don't think about. And so that was the most difficult for me because Wayne was supposed to, well, he was on hospice at this point, but he was supposed to follow the rules, which he is not a rule follower, (laughs) but he was supposed to at least start taking small doses of morphine by mid-afternoon through the evening because after a long day of just being awake, Your body's exhausted, and his was exhausted by just breathing, trying to breathe. Um, So he was supposed to allow me to give him his morphine so it could take the edge off Yes. instead of putting him in crisis. But he did not want to miss anything, Mm -hmm. and he didn't want to be loopy, in his words. (laughs) And if somebody came, he wanted to be present. And he knew his time was getting short, and he in his words, he didn't want to be drugged up for it. But what happened every day was that he got too far. And then we tried to bring him back. And I would try to administer small doses as frequently as I could. And so the evenings got to be very long for us. And then he would start to cry mm. because he was struggle, Because he was struggling for breath. And I thought, Initially, it was just the anxiety of everything, but the AL, um, the hospice nurse told me that it was more than a mental anxiety uh, issue. It's our bodies; everything, all of our organs need oxygen. Yeah. So at this point, it's a physical cry as well. It's or mm-hmm. uh, your bodies are screaming for oxygen, and when Wayne only has five percent lung capacity his body was screaming for it and so Wayne would cry because he felt bad putting me in that position and I would try to tell him please don't cry because it will only make it more difficult for you and so we would start administering the morphine at small doses and it would take us two to three or four hours to get him to a place to be comfortable yeah Um. and so that was the most difficult for me to watch him yeah yeah for sure.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and we were kind of there already, but then how, you know, were you, did you have a time when you said goodbye? Were you able to like have a goodbye time with them? And was mm-hmm. your family able to be there at the end? Yes.
1: Yes, we did. Uh, to be honest, I-, I thought I had lost Wayne a few times in the, mm-hmm. over the last months. Because mm-hmm. he he had to sleep in a hospital bed because we had to prop him up and all of that to keep him comfortable, but he made sure I got a twin bed to put right by him <laughs> because he mm. he always just he thought he needed to be right by me, and um, I would hear him at night and I would lay there and wonder if he was gone, and then all of a sudden something would happen and I'd be like, okay, he wasn't gone, so it was torturous. Yeah to to wonder but the last week was really difficult Uh, Wayne died on a Sunday afternoon and by Thursday we were both so spent I mean that's the only word I can I can use for it we were so spent I was so exhausted I I literally I don't think I slept for two years and um I had prepared, I had gotten him ready in the morning. And at this point, I had taken three months off of work um, to be with him at the end. It was it was just too difficult. We had wonderful help, but it was too difficult to be away. Yeah. And it was too difficult for Wayne um, just to ask people to do some of the things that, you know, it only goes so far. <laughs> yep, yep. And um, so by Thursday morning after I'd gotten him fed, and ready for the day, we just collapsed. I, I think I was giving him a glass of water or something, and I threw my back out. And I'm sure it wasn't just because of the heavy lifting and all of that kind of thing. I think I was just tired, yeah. And it was just the stress mm-hmm. and seeing where this was going, and not knowing what to do anymore. And uh, I had a haircut um appointment and I had thrown my back out just before Wayne's friend was coming over to sit with him for a little bit and we just sat there and cried we we didn't know what to do anymore and so um Wayne said just go just go for your haircut and I said I don't think I can leave and he said go and so I did but I got got in the car and I called my friend Deb and I said Deb And That's just how it was. I said Mm. it just like that. And she said, I got this, friend. Mm. And she prayed. And she prayed and prayed. And then after that, I went to the chiropractor. (laughs) (laughs) Had a girl. (laughs) I'm like, oh. Went to the chiropractor. And I walked in. And I have a wonderful chiropractor, Dr. Brent. He's a wonderful Christian man. Mm -hmm. And his father-in-law passed away from ALS. He was familiar with it. Yeah. So I walked in there that morning. And he said, how are you? And I was just like... I, I mean, I'm sure I looked horrible. I, and I said, oh, I don't, I don't even know what to do anymore. And he said, "So what's going on?" And I told him, and he said, just as a guy would sometimes say, he said, and he'll probably laugh or cringe if he hears this. He, I'm sure he doesn't remember, but he said, "Well, you knew it was coming." <laughs> Brent, if you're listening. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, I know, I know, but I didn't know how it would look. And he didn't mean it in that way. And he was so wise. And he prayed with me as well. I mean, how blessed can I be to go to my doctor and receive prayer? So, yes, we were spent. But um, I called Amanda. Her family lives a few hours away from here. And I let the other kids know um, that I didn't think it was going to be long. So we all spent the weekend together, and we were able to um, say goodbye. We we just kicked it in gear. We decided we had to do what we had to do, and we, we just administered the morphine as needed because Wayne struggled so much. He was dehydrated because he couldn't take anything in anymore, and the little sponge sticks with the water just weren't keeping him here. And so we were able to spend time with him we'd take turns going down praying with them playing soft music and stuff and and saying saying our goodbyes and so we were able to do that it it was a very hard time but it was it was a beautiful time as well to see his last breath and and it, it was remarkable god gave another amazing blessing because at this point wayne was very weak um very dehydrated he wasn't really Wayne anymore, and he gave his last breath, and this amazing smile came mm-hmm. over his face. And I told the kids, "Your dad just saw Jesus." Yeah, it was impossible. It was literally impossible for him to to smile at that point anymore. And it was there. And I told the kids, "Your kid, your dad just saw Jesus."
0: Amen. Right. Amen. Whole. Whole. And probably and running. <laughs> Probably in trouble. <laughs> Probably trouble. <laughs> uh,
1: acting up. Yeah. But you know, and our pastor had come just before that, and you and um, we were all struggling watching Wayne. And my son Craig said, "Dave, Pastor Dave, go in there and tell him he can go." We we just couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And Dave went in there and he said, "Wayne, tonight you'll be having supper with Jesus," mm. and. And a few minutes later, he did, he was.
0: Hmm. Well, well, thanks for sharing that. Yes. I know it's probably really hard to talk about. And I just, I think one of the most remarkable parts of your story for me um, is just how you guys held on to your faith through such mm-hmm. a hard time. And mm-hmm. it is so horrible to watch someone you love suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember when we were talking on the phone, you, you talked about how you guys took turns reading scripture to him too, mm-hmm. because that seemed to just carry him. And yes. to me, what sticks out about this story is just, the strength that came mm-hmm. from your faith for yes. this time and just how God met you in your faith mm-hmm. and provided people to love on you yes. and take care Absolutely. of you and just give you the little thing you needed to yes. get to the next, uh, place. And I just think that's, what's so extraordinary about it, mm-hmm. you know, is what a hard four year marathon, right? You it know? was a marathon. And, right. um, just up, all uphill. <laughs> True. And- Barefoot, uphill. But, um, but he just was so faithful um, to meet you because you trusted him yes. and put your hope in him. Yes. And yes. Um, man alive, I don't know how people walk through life, through hard stuff without it. We said that probably thousands of
1: times. Yeah. Because when we didn't know what to do anymore, when the thing we tried yesterday that worked didn't work today, and mm-hmm. now we were in the house by ourselves at 10 o'clock at night, and didn't know what to do. And then, yet God would provide, or someone would provide us the tool that we needed, the machine we needed, whatever. How do you? How do you go on without that faith?
0: So I don't know. No, he most days are... I can barely make it with faith. So that's <laughs> Ex- <not> sure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Now, the days and the months following must have been pretty difficult too um but I'm sure there was a piece too annoying that Wayne wasn't mm-hmm. suffering anymore mm-hmm. yes. what you know how did you how did you get through that time, or was it actually easier after or was it did you had you done most of your grieving before well or?
1: we when we were at the Mayo Clinic, we would attend uh support groups and they oh. talked about uh Oh, I'm trying to think of the correct term for it, but but grieving basically prior grieving to the death because you know of the illness and you right. know what's coming, and so we did do that, and and we were fortunate enough, Wayne and I, to talk about things ahead of time. And I knew how he felt about things. And we were able to talk about those difficult things and, and what I should do when I go on, you know, he was able to help me plan some of those things. So that was nice. So we did do some of that grieving. But it's still difficult. All of of a sudden, I didn't know who I was, four years of just intense caretaking. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And prior to that, I was a mom and I remember going to the grocery store after that. And I didn't, I bought a few fruits and vegetables, but I walked out. I didn't know what joy likes to eat (laughs) (laughs) by yourself. It's the truth. You, you forget all that. Yeah. I didn't know. I, I, I vaguely remembered going through the entire store and I remember driving home and I had nothing in the car because I didn't know what to buy and I told myself I need to be very careful because I probably shouldn't be driving. I just <laughs> didn't know
0: who I was
1: anymore. Yeah. Well, but, for sure. Yeah. So that took some time. And then I remembered praying to God that to please um, not allow me to wait to live, but that I would be able to live while I wait. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't want to be somebody who just waited. Because what would I be waiting for? I don't know. What I'd be waiting for? Waiting for the next what? I don't know. Yeah. So I just asked him, please, to help me to live while I wait and not wait to live.
0: And you felt like he met you in that. He did. He absolutely did.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I spent a lot of time with my grandchildren. I just had a few at that time. Uh, but...
0: Good that, for the soul those oh, grandkids, aren't it they? it was, it
1: was. The, yes, so I did a lot of that. And I, and I forced myself to go out with my friends when they asked. I forced mm-hmm. myself. And it turned out to be a wonderful thing. I have wonderful friends. But when you didn't feel like it, yeah, or everybody talked about their husbands and I didn't have mine anymore, it was hard. Mm-hmm.
0: Going to church was hard. Oh, yeah. Well, and you were with him so much. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it was weird to not have him by your side.
1: Right. I didn't know what to do anymore you know? Yeah. Yep. I just didn't know who my, I didn't know what my identity was, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, I get that. So I remember thinking I needed to reinvent myself, but I didn't know what that was <laughs> going to look like.
0: <laughs> yeah. Boy, I tell you what, I for a lot of different reasons, mostly because I have four kids with very different tastes, Preferences, but I probably would do the same thing in the grocery store. would be like, what do I actually like if I don't have to yeah, make can chicken buy nuggets? Anything <laughs> <I might>. Yes,
1: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, that's really cool. And I know that you've shared, too. I think the cool part of the story is just how God has remained so faithful mm-hmm. to you as you've continued to walk on. And, mm-hmm. and I know the Lord has really blessed you and yes. your family mm-hmm. um, afterwards. Um, so, and it's kind of a fun story because you're remarried now. I am remarried. I've been
1: remarried for about four and a half years yes yes I'm married to a wonderful man his name is Mark and he is just the kindest most giving gentle man ever I mean I truly don't deserve him really I don't but he is so good to me and a really neat blessing about Mark was when we started to see each other um, and I was by myself for about five years we started to see each other and He kind of brought me around to the end of my grieving period. Mm. And it's not like you ever stop grieving when you love someone well. You don't ever stop grieving. But he was a big enough man to allow me to cry about Wayne. And I thought that was pretty big of him.
0: That's really neat. And I
1: didn't ever have to hide that. I still don't have to hide that. And so I'm very blessed by my husband.
0: That's neat. Mm-hmm. Well, you do—you de- are an amazing woman. You do deserve someone who will take care of you and love you, Aww. and don't sell yourself—sell yes. well. yourself short. I can't say that well, but mm-hmm. yes, that's—I'm just so happy yeah. for you. And he's a great man. We talked about this on the phone earlier, but this is so fun how you met him because at first you were very resistant to—you—you you kind of needed a little nudging, yes—to start
1: looking again. Yes. Oh, absolutely absolutely it was I was by myself probably for almost five years and I started to notice and I don't know if it was just that I started to notice this or if it happened sooner but I started to notice that friends at church um, my (laughs) my girlfriends were sometimes dropping hints sometimes asking directly like are you going to start dating (laughs) I'd be like what are you crazy (laughs) I mean, I thought I was doing fine, and and I said, well, who would I, like, where would I find somebody in Becker,
0: right? You're not the <laughs> clubbing type or anything, right. so it's, you're like,
1: ah. Uh. Yeah, and some of them said, oh, there are people interested, and I said, no, I don't think oh. so, yeah, and I and they said, you're just not really paying attention, and I was surprised at that, but I dismissed it. Uh, I had lived by myself for some while now, for some time, and And part of me really liked it. I didn't have to answer to anybody. I had no accountability. (laughs) I mean, it wasn't always a good thing, but you get a little selfish in some ways. You're like, well, I'm not going to ask somebody if I can do something. (laughs) But then one day, my daughter Sarah approached me, and she said, Mom, you know what? Dad's been gone now for almost five years and i didn't mention this before but wayne and sarah had worked on cards i loved hallmark cards for while i was at work the last few months of when wayne was alive um sarah ordered cards for two years for every occasion and she and wayne on her day off would she would write them out so i got a birthday card an anniversary card i got valentine's card for two years And it was funny because he always said, I give you two years. If you don't have somebody by two years, it's not going to be a good thing for you. I know you. (laughs) I think he knew I was going to get really (laughs) independent. Um, And so the cards had stopped. And Sarah told me, Mom, this is your last card. And I had a few more years after that. But one day Sarah approached me and she said, Mom, I'm kind of concerned. You know, you're too young to be alone. And Dad didn't want you alone. And I said, I have the grandkids. And she said, Mom, they're not going to be little forever. And I said, what? Well, I'm planning to go to college with them. Yeah, (laughs) right. (laughs) And she said, yeah, right, Mom, that's not happening. But she said, Mom, I really want you to think about this. And so I was actually kind of devastated at that point.
0: Hmm.
1: I thought, well, my life is good this way. But I knew she was right. And I thought. If that isn't God's plan for me to be single, then I do need to be open to it. So I remember a few days after that, it was in the evening, I went downstairs and I was praying and and I I literally opened my hands Hmm. and I said, God, if that is what you want for me, if you want somebody in my life, then you are going to have to do it. And I can see that I have my cl- hands just clenched right now. <laughs> but if you want, I'll open them. But, you know, and then I always have to tell God.
0: <laughs> because he might need help. But, yeah. but here's how you got to do it, God. Yes.
1: But I said, first of all, he, he needs to be a godly man. He needs to be in love with you because if he's not, it's not going to work. And I'm right. not going to waste my time. Right.
0: Well, God's in agreement with that. He yeah, wants you with a godly right. man. So that's, that's right. Yeah. So
1: that was my first thing. And then I said, and you are going to have to bring him to me because where am I going to find him? I'm like, right. just bring him right to the door. <laughs> <laughs> so when the UPS man came the next
0: week, I was like, is it you? <laughs> <laughs> Every time someone comes to the door, you're like, hi. <laughs> Checking for the ring. <laughs> No, But that
1: was, so I had, he had to love God. He, um, he had, he'd have to bring him to me. Um, he'd have to have a job. (laughs) I thought I, I want him to work at least as hard as I do. And then this was, this was the kind of the bonus thing that I threw in there at the end. And I said, and if you could like make this guy be just like my son-in-law, Cole, because I absolutely love him. (laughs) I I watched how he has treated my daughter over the years. He's strong, he's gentle, he's kind. And I said, if you could make him just like Cole, but about 20 years older, that would be
0: awesome. And what did I get? God has a sense of humor, y'all. This is so fun.
1: Yes. Keep going. What did I get? Well, a few months after that, I'm walking out of church, and uh, Sarah and Cole and their family always went to church with me. And Cole's dad also went to church with us, typically. Cole's dad is divorced, or was divorced at the time, and um, the kids weren't in church. And so Mark and I walked out together, and he said, Hey, would you like to go for a cup of coffee? And I, I think I almost broke my neck. I turned around, <laughs> and I'm like,
0: What? In Becker? <laughs> everyone will know and, and
1: there's nothing here I mean yeah. they'll think things yeah <laughs> but long story short we ended up talking and, and um, he said you know I think I think if you're okay with this I would like to just investigate to see how this would go and I said well <laughs> first of all you have to talk to your son because I absolutely love and adore him and if he's not okay with this, I, I'm not okay with this. And so he did. And then he came back and said, well, now you need to talk to your kids. And I'm like, what? And I did. And my son said, Mom, there's no better man in this world than Mark. Go for it. And so here we are. <laughs> A man just like Cole. A man just tw- like Cole. 28 years older. <laughs> yes. And then when I told Mark my whole re- wish list... He said, do you know how many times I've been at your door? (laughs) I've been here for kids' birthday parties and things. So, yes, God has a sense of humor, and
0: here we are today. Love it. We can take so much from that. Pray for what we want, but also God is listening, so be specific. because be (laughs) careful. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that part. I just think it's so fun, the continuation Mm -hmm. of the faithfulness and how Mm -hmm. your faith has persevered Mm -hmm. and then just... right how God has blessed that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Beyond what I
0: ever deserve.
1: I remember many times just thanking God for all the times he came through in the, in the years prior. And I remember many times saying to him, if you never bless me with one more thing, I, I've been blessed. I don't yeah. deserve any more. But he continues to give. When I'm not faithful, he is. Mm-hmm. So I'm very grateful.
0: Me too. <laughs> do you have any uh, last piece of advice or anything for somebody who might be listening and maybe has a family member or mm-hmm. is facing a hard time mm-hmm. or, or an illness or something? Do mm-hmm. you have any advice you want to give?
1: I would say don't be too proud to, to not ask for help. Mm. Like for us, it was the, the ALS Association, and they were fantastic, better than any doctor could ever be because mm-hmm. they know how to provide sports services. If you have an illness or something where – there is a group out there. Go to them for help. And the other thing I would say is to allow yourself to grieve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Don't ever cover it up. The The deeper you love, the, the deeper and harder it is to grieve. And your grief will never go away all the way. But God is faithful.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: He will provide. So let yourself grieve. Tell him. Tell him. He already knows. And just go with it
0: that. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to pray to wrap it up, but thank you so much for being on the show today. Your story is so beautiful. Thank you. Father, we just thank you for who you are. God, we thank you for the great love that you lavish on your people. And we thank you for your faithfulness, God, and how you prove yourself over and over your unfailing love. And God, we just thank you for how um, you have walked with joy and provided for her family and God, I know that that same love and faithfulness you have for her, you have for everybody listening to this podcast. And so, Lord, I pray today that if there is somebody listening who's hurting or facing an illness or walking through a hard time, God, will you just reveal yourself to them? Will you speak to them through this episode, Lord, that they might just find encouragement to you or that they would be inspired to turn to you and to dig their roots down deep into you, Lord, that you would empower them and strengthen them like you did for Joy and her family. God, we just thank you again. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Mint, the podcast dedicated to making spiritual things practical. If you want more information about Mint or Reckless Abandoned Ministries, you can just head to our website at www.amintageisler.com for more information.